Hello and welcome back to the Young Entrepreneur's Journey podcast with your host Yasmina Ellens. And today we have on the one and only business whisperer, Jenny Leeming, who is also a wonderful woman with many years of business experience under her belt, but with an intuitive twist. So she is all about creating flow in your business. And in this episode, you will learn about the importance of vision, values and mindset in your business. You will learn how to determine your values and how to cater to your audience in your communication. You will learn about the importance of eliminating self-defeating language and also about how to tap into your intuition, as well as so much more. Just before we get into it, a quick audio caveat. As with the journey of every entrepreneur, there will be obstacles along the way. We DIY recorded this episode in a hotel lobby, so my audio came out terribly. Like, just, you don't want to hear it. But fortunately, Jenny's was crystal clear, with the occasional hustle and bustle and police siren in the background. So while some of the organic conversational flow has been lost throughout the episode, you will hear Jenny spill her wisdom with some interjections and prompts from me so you know exactly what we're talking about. In my opinion, there is a really important takeaway, even in this, about the entrepreneurial journey, which is the fact that nothing is ever going to be perfect and you're never going to be ready. And you know what? You just work with what you got. So what we have here is not perfect, but it's really damn good. So work with what you've got, make the best of what you can, and you can still create awesome things and people will be excited about it. So now that that boring stuff is out of the way, let's crack into this really exciting episode. So first of all, Jenny gives us a little bit of insight into her background, how she ended up on the entrepreneurial path and what kind of sparked her interest in that field in the first place. Well, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, which I didn't realize because it was just what happened around me. I always felt like I didn't quite fit. My attitude was different because I was in big corporates and it's like when you're in a big machine and you sort of have different ideas, it doesn't always work or it becomes really difficult to kind of communicate that and have that accepted, especially, and I hate to say it, but especially as a young looking female. I worked in technology. It was male dominated environments back then and it was a challenge at times. I love the fact that you're saying a few years ago, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it's definitely changed. It's definitely improved. Um, But I think when you're somebody who has ideas and is curious about things, you need somewhere to funnel them. And when you're in a big corporate that has fixed ideas about things that are not necessarily innovating, it's difficult to have that part of you expressed that's when, you know, you sort of fall out into, oh, I'm going to do all these things on the side. I'm going to go and help people here. I'm going to go and get curious elsewhere. And that's just kind of how it happened. And at this point, I was wondering, how exactly did you fall into what she's doing now? Yeah, I was was at a conference and I met somebody that I was paired up with to do some work at the conference. And he was talking about his business and, and I sort of said, oh, well, have you tried these things here? And, we, you know, we sat there and had a chat for a while. And, and then he asked me if I would come and help him redevelop his business, help it grow, fix it, because he had quite a few challenges and he'd grown very quickly through acquisition and through setting up himself. And he had another business that he was also doing on the side that was starting to take off. And I said, oh, look, I'm really sorry, I can't. I have a job. <laughs> And I think it was a few months later, I I was in a car accident and I had to take time off and I got bored. So I messaged him and said, did you still need that help? 
And yeah, that's kind of how I came out of corporate and went into working with business owners. So that is a story of how Jenny landed her first client. She quite literally fell into it. And at this point, I was wondering, okay, so maybe you can give us an overview of what exactly it is that you do. I do a number of different things. I think the core thing that I do is I, I help business owners develop the potential in their business because quite often what I find is somebody who's been working in their business and on their business for a while has learned a lot and that's not necessarily expressed in the best way through the business. I'll help them find their flow in the operations of their business, how it works, how that expression is happening and I work in developing inspired teams that are value aligned same with their clients because you want to have clients that want what you are doing and they want it for the right reasons because they're just a joy to work with and we look at the environments we work in and that's all centered through vision values and mindset and that's when we get to the people process and product side of things sometimes it's the vision is outdated and they've got this vision but then they've got these ideas and they haven't realized that they don't work with the vision or their vision is too small for what they're capable of and their frustration is born out of their vision being too small and them not having the awareness that actually they're a lot better than they think they are. I mean I quite often refer to a lot of my business owners as experts in their field. I would never tell them that off the bat though because that's sort of like oh no no I've just been in business for a while and this is what we do and it's you know there's a lot of modesty around that sort of thing. So, At which point I was thinking, oh, okay, do you think they're too humble in a sense? Humble, that's the word. Some of them, yeah, because they don't look at themselves and what they're contributing. They look at what their business is doing and they look at their client. And sometimes taking a step back and taking time out when you're working in the business is a difficult thing to do. It's a challenge. But it's taking that time out to reflect and really look at what sort of conversations you want to be having with your clients, how you want to be impacting them, what it is you're looking to achieve and what your values are around it. Because from that point, when we do that, we can start to really understand how we need to reshape the business and what the offerings are because they will grow. Here I asked Jenny to talk about if someone doesn't really know what their values are or if their vision is outdated, how do they go around identifying that vision and identifying those core values and then running all of their systems and their businesses and everything that they do around that? So it depends on the business, the business owner and where they're at and what's going on. If they've got some challenges on what I call the people process product side, I will use those as the vehicles to help them understand why things are tripping up and then I'll ask them questions and we'll go through it that way it's like okay there's some challenges here we don't want these to continue to be challenges what do we have to do to resolve them and quite often it's a values issue or it's a we've grown too big and we need to reshape it but the reason it hasn't been reshaped is because there's not been an acknowledgement because the values are a bit off or there's something going on with the business owner's mindset that doesn't allow them to realize how successful this particular thing is because all they see are the challenges. They're so used to firefighting, all they see are the challenges. So it's how do we bring them out of that so that they can actually see their values? Because if, if they're constantly firefighting, values are really hard to connect to because they're the other, they feel like the other side of the coin. And so basically that would allow them to see challenges not as problems, but more as opportunities. That's where we get to. Absolutely. At this point, I was wondering, okay, so for young people, if you're a young person starting out or if you're a business owner and you're not sure where to start with determining your values, I was wondering if Jenny has any mechanisms or advice in particular for sitting down and identifying, okay, what are my values? Where do I start? How do I figure this out? I would say go and listen to some podcasts 
where people are talking about what their values are and see what resonates. Find, if, if you can't work it out for yourself, find somebody that you resonate with and go and look and see what their values are and try them on for size. There are loads of things on YouTube. There are loads of podcasts that'll take you through value-centric exercises. There are people all across the spectrum from Brene Brown, who talks a lot about values. And in fact, she has a values-led exercise on her website. Gary V. He's another person who talks about values. And, you you know, those people are either side of the spectrum in terms of personality type and the sort of people they attract. Just go Google and see what resonates because everyone is going to feel different about who they listen to and they'll push your buttons and they won't. And I think a really important thing to note here is that people might be scared to define specific values for them because you'll be scared to go too narrow. You'll think, okay, well, I'm missing out on all of these opportunities and all of these other potential clients and all of these people are not going to want to work with me and it's going to be terrible. But actually, when you go narrow, that is where the real money is because you're hitting your target audience with exactly what you want to see. So you will definitely find each other. You're not watering down your message. You will have clients who resonate with your values and that will turn them into diehard fans. And you're not going to have a bunch of people with their foot half in the door. And when it comes to value alignment, they don't have to be identical. They have to be complementary and not clashing. The thing about working with clients who are value aligned is you will get joy out of working with them. It becomes easier. There's something about the way you communicate, the language you use, the things that appeal to you that make that journey easier. There's there's almost a grace that comes with it. And when you do get into the sticky parts, they're a lot easier to navigate if that's the nature of your business where you get into sticky parts. You know, if you go and find a business in your personal life, go and find a brand or a business that you really dislike Look at their perceived values because quite often values aren't overtly communicated. They're done through actions. So you don't have to plaster your values everywhere. You just have to embed them and people will feel it. So there's there's a real move in that direction now as well in terms of people are choosing where they put their money. And that's been happening for a while. And now those people who are choosing where they put their money, they're in positions where they can influence companies about where they choose to put their money. So... There's something amazing happening in society and it's just going to continue to happen. So the more we start to realize that who we are as people, our values and the values of our business, which also need to be complementary to your own values, otherwise you will really struggle. You split yourself in two, not literally, but figuratively. It's all going that way. And so basically, it's kind of like a domino effect. You know, one hits another, which hits another, which is another. Or like, you know, the butterfly effect where you just do one thing and then it affects another thing and it affects another thing and it just compounds, which is amazing. And what I also really like here is Jenny's tactic of going out and finding companies that you really, really dislike, who have the opposite values of what you believe in, what you really, really think, I do not believe in that at all. Because if you're not sure what your values are, maybe you know what your values are not. And then you're like, okay, I really don't believe in that. What is the opposite of that? And then maybe that way you'll hit upon what your values truly are. And also, you know, ask people who are close to you to, to have a guess that will get you started because I know for some people that values conversation is really difficult. If you're not used to looking at yourself and self-exploration, then those conversations are, they're new, they're fresh, they're ooh. And what is really interesting with Jenny is when she's working with her clients and she's working with these incredibly accomplished business owners, they'll often have these mindset issues. They won't really know what they've accomplished. They'll have sort of a misalignment with what they've achieved and how they feel about what they've achieved. They will use a lot of self-defeating language. So what I was really wondering was, how do you snap out of that? And what are the most common things that Jenny sees in sort of misalignment with abilities 
And how do you fix that? I, I see two things. I see habitual language, which they're unaware of. And when you're at home by yourself and you want to talk that way, it's fine. It's great. But when you are leading a team or teams of people, you have to be really aware of what language means to other people and what the intention is that you're putting across. So I kind of have that conversation with them. And if, if I'm not sure what's going on with them yet, then I'll frame it from the perspective of the people who are hearing them speak, the people they're working with day to day, and what the potential is for that language to mean. So I'll catch out words or phrases and I'll say, this person here, it could mean this. Because I've always said in business, English is the dividing language. I worked on a big technology program in the healthcare sector and you have technologists, you have lawyers, and you have people in the healthcare sector. The same things mean completely different things in all of those environments, even down to simple acronyms, but actually physical words written on paper will mean something different. It's like culture. If you think about the fact that we all come from an experience of where we grew up, who our parents were, how they grew up, there's a lot of little things that make up who we are. So whilst we live in a society that has a culture or is multicultural, which creates its own culture, we still have things embedded in us that will mean something different to somebody who grew up at the other end of the country with a different family experience, with a different schooling, with a different entry into the workforce or into entrepreneurship or into higher education. It's understanding that if we want to communicate in the best way possible, we need to understand who our audience is and we need to be aware of what we could be saying. Don't go overboard and look at every little thing you're saying, but be aware that those little habits of self-deprecating language or the little apologetic, oh, excuse me, but, you know, when you want to say something, the little habits that have been reinforced over time or things that we're just not even aware of, they have an impact. And if you're leading a business and you are looking to be a leader in your field and you want to grow your business and do more things, then you've got to be aware of how you show up. You've got to be the person that people want in front of them. And if you can't do that, go and get partners. Go and get partners in your business that know you well enough to know what you really mean and can fill the gaps for the things that you are not good at or are not ready to explore within yourself. And that's actually quite a common thing that people say when going into business. It's that make sure that your co-founder is your opposite. Because let's say that you're an ideas person, you always have the big vision, you're the talker, you like to do the selling and the marketing, and then you know nothing about the numbers, or the systems, or what is the foundation of your business, what is the accounting, what are all the technical little details that you need to think about, then, you know, you're kind of screwed. On the other hand, what if you're all into the systems and the numbers and you're like, ooh, how can I systemize that and how can I streamline that process? But you don't know how to sell or market yourself. You don't have the big ideas and you don't have the big visions. You're also screwed. So if you find a co-founder who is your opposite, you'll be able to fill in those holes and fill in those gaps that you are not able to fill yourself. And so I asked Jenny, you know, what is the best way to go around finding your co-founder and finding different business partners? Network. Network in the areas you're interested in. Go to different events and talk to people and see what comes from that. And the more you talk to people, the more somebody will introduce you to somebody else that'll take you somewhere else that'll lead to something else. We are in the age of connection and networking isn't a dirty word anymore. It's not sort of what it used to be a decade ago or longer. It's not 
sit there and sell, sell, sell. It's actually sit there and look at how we can do something amazing together. What is it that we can offer? What can we stimulate? How can we make the world a better place for whatever that might mean to you? How many companies are aligning themselves to the UN Global Goals? That's starting to really take off. It's been happening for a little bit, but it's showing up everywhere now, whether it's overtly or if it's just in conversation, because it's that bigger vision that you can lend yourself to if your vision doesn't feel like it's big enough. And I think this is a really good point to hammer home the fact that there are a lot of young entrepreneurs starting out and there's a lot of information out there and there are a lot of scams and there are a lot of get rich quick schemes, which are never, ever sustainable over the long term. And what a lot of young people fall into the mistake of making is that they think, okay, we're going to make some money really quickly now, but they don't really think about the long term and they don't play the long game. The mistake that they make is that they don't have a big vision or values or the right mindset. And they've not thought particularly about what kind of impact that they want to have in the world and with their business. I don't think you can do that anymore. Those times are gone. You really can't do that anymore. And this is where it comes to value alignment. If what you're thinking about is money, 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 and you come up with an idea, you have a short-term business. It might make a bit of money, but it is a short-term business. And you will have to work hard because it's not going to last long. You might have it free and easy for a little bit, and then it's going to move on. People will move on. There'll be a lack of alignment. What you offer won't resonate unless you've found some great thing and you're going into a B2B scenario, into a big corporate. But even then, that's starting to change too because they look for value alignment as well. It's a bit of a different situation when you're working with something so large like a big corporate. I pointed out that corporate responsibility is a big thing nowadays. Yeah, it's it's been around for a while and there's a step change happening in the CSR world. There are companies out there now who are donating a percentage of their profits. Full stop, no questions, nothing. They are not trying to do the research themselves. They are donating it to organizations and research foundations that are far superior. Really interesting. Go, go and look at the Bill and Melinda Gates scenario. We're talking about big companies doing that sort of thing. But there are companies now who are starting to say, yes, we have a CSR department. We're going to do something that's local and we're going to stay in, in our values and do that there. But we're going to take a portion of our profit and we're going to donate it to research and we're going to donate it to companies and foundations that know more than we do that are moving towards something that is bigger and better than what we could possibly do if left to our own devices. This is so true. And then I thought back to what Jenny was saying about in-person networking, which brings me to another point, which is that a lot of people are quite lazy nowadays. And while sliding into Instagram DMs and connecting with different kinds of people and influencers does have incredible value, nothing in the world will beat in-person networking. Face-to-face -face is where you can provide the real value and build real meaningful relationships. There is something about being curious and showing up to see what's going to unfold. And if you don't really know what your thing is yet, and you don't really have your idea fully formed, but you know there's something, go and be curious, whether that's in person in environments where people are talking, where you can meet them, record your conversations, because you never know what's going to come out when you have a conversation and, and it's like, oh no, it's lost. I tell my clients to do that. If they're, yeah, if they're working on something and they're going and having a conversation with someone and they think gold's going to come out, put your phone on the table, hit the voice memo record, you know, say to them, I'm doing this because I come out with stuff when I talk and I don't remember it later. Often you'll have a really good idea or you'll have the seed of something that is a really good idea, but it can very often be hard to flesh that out by yourself. And without a different perspective, without some mutual collaboration and brainstorming and bouncing ideas of another person, it can be really, really hard to take that very far. And 
the thing is that people really want to add value and help you. You know, people always think, oh, no one cares about my idea. Why should anyone care about helping me? Why would anyone spend their time doing that? But the, the reality is that as long as there is a good message behind what you're doing and you seem to be doing something interesting, it seems to be a good idea and people like you, people want to help you out. People are on your side. People want to help you out and people often want what's best for you. And think about the number of times you've gone and helped other people. You know, if, if you're in that situation where you think no one wants to help me or I'm stuck on an idea and I don't know what to do, think back to how many conversations you've had with friends or people you've met. I mean, I've even done it on the tube randomly. I don't talk to people on the tube often, but, you know, ended up having some really inspired conversations on the tube. Think back to conversations you've had and where you've just freely offered something because it's felt right. It's been yeah. in the moment. You've been curious about what they're doing. You've gotten you know, a little bit excited about their idea and something's come out. The same thing will happen for you. So when you're starting out, put yourself out there. Be curious. Have the conversations and record them. If you've got an idea and you don't think you can execute on all of it, have a look and see what it is you need to do first and see where your gaps are. I mean, you mentioned before how people get together in, in business because they're good at this and not necessarily that. I used to call it the triad. It's so like you, you would have somebody who's the finance person, someone who's the operations person, and someone who's the ideas and go out and have conversations person. That was kind of a really basic model. You don't necessarily need that anymore. What you need to identify is what you're not good at and how you bridge that gap. And because companies can be a lot smaller now, you don't have to hire full-time staff. You hire talent and you do it on a contract basis. You do it on a service basis. You might hire them full-time. It depends on how big your business is and how much flexibility you need. So the options out there now for how you go about doing things, there's so much more flexibility because people don't want to work a job for life anymore. They don't want to work for one employer, one person so much anymore, especially not if they're creative because they've got more ideas, they've got more to give. So take advantage of that. Go and find people to work with who want to be working on different things, who want to contribute. There are a lot of different websites and I think it depends on the nature of your business, whether or not you want people who are local to you so you can sit across the table from them every now and again to have a catch up. Or if you want someone on the other side of the world who will just get on with stuff and do it and can work with whatever whatever brief you give them. It's down to how you want to work. And I think there's, there's value in also understanding what happens when you go and meet people in person. Most of the people that I have worked with as clients or hired to work for me have come through recommendations or conversations. Go and find out if you know people who have a business or use different services, go and ask them what they think of the people they work with. They'll give you an honest opinion and they'll say, oh, you know, they're okay for the money. Or they'll say, this person is brilliant. They really get it. They make my life easy. And then take a measure of where do you need your life made easy? And where is it that you just need something done? Because business is still business. You still need to make sure that you can function, you can operate it, you can go and serve your clients and you can pay your bills. And if you're starting out, there will always be a little bit of compromise you've got to make somewhere. So just be aware of what that compromise is. And touching on what we were talking about before, when Jenny talks about offering to help people, that's really, really key. Personally, when I think about the times that I've done that, I get a huge kick out of it. I feel fantastic afterwards. It gives me this massive ego boost. And like, I just feel like, oh, I feel so much better about myself. And it's like the satisfaction 
of having made someone's day better. At the end of the day, just give as much value as you can, because in reality, it's in your own selfish best interest. And just let that sink in for a minute. It's incredibly selfish. It's in your own selfish best interest to help people as much as you can and to offer as much free value, because that will always come back to you. If you're stingy and you don't help anyone, no one's going to want to do the same for you. But when you do things for other people, they feel like, oh, well, I, I can do things for this other person because they've helped me up so much. So while generous, it's also selfish. And at the end of the day, it's incredibly worth it for both of you. That's what you call a mutually beneficial relationship. And there's, there's a really interesting thing. If you're in an environment, if you're out there networking or you've gone to a conference or, or something like that and you help somebody and it's no skin off your back, it's, it's, then you get to see what happens when you help them. And you go, oh my goodness, I feel really good about that. And you're in an environment where you're feeling really good and there's a whole lot of potential clients in that room. Yeah. How do you think they're going to see you? I mean, don't do it for that reason, but just be aware that that is a benefit. That is a payoff. And uh, whenever you're coming from a frame of you're offering something as opposed to taking something away, people want to be around you. People often have the wrong mindset of, oh, what can I get from this person? What can I get from that person? But you know what that makes you? That makes you a leech and no one likes a leech. So when you really want to connect with someone, come from a frame of offering something because people want to be around that energy. And especially when these people are further ahead than you, it's really about offering just what you can and then maybe eventually you will benefit from something. And maybe at some point they will offer something back, but you have to give first. Yeah, and have a conversation. Everything starts with a conversation. There's something to be said for not forcing yourself on, on somebody in a conversation, but trusting your gut. And realizing that, you know, your head might be telling you all these funny little things about, oh, I can't possibly go and interrupt that person or can't possibly reframe. I can't possibly go and join that conversation. Yeah. See the language yeah. there? It's like, why is it an interruption? If you're at an event where people are talking, go up and introduce yourself and be aware that your head will tell you something if you've got some conditioning there, if you've got some fear there, but then tap into what your gut's telling you. Because that will say, rock on up and have a conversation. Okay, one, I love that. Rock on up and have a conversation. And two, this provides me with an excellent segue to talk about the fact that Jenny is honestly an incredibly intuitive person. One of the most intuitive people I've ever met. And I was wondering, you know, what she thinks of intuition and in its importance and how important it is to trust your gut. And then how people can even tap into that because a lot of people are very disconnected from their intuition. So how can they go look inside themselves and recognize that part? I think it's very important and I think we all have it. Whether we realize it or not, we use it. If you have been out of an evening and you're walking home and it's dark, and it's wet, and all of a sudden, the hair on the back of your neck stands up, and you think, no, the street's a bit too dark, I'm going to go a different way. What's that? It's intuition. If you, you go out for dinner, and you, you, know, you can't work out what you want to order on the menu, and you're trying to make up your mind between two things, and somebody will say to you, I'll get that one, and, and you order the other one, you yeah, know. Yeah. So look at the small things that you know. Look at the way that your body communicates to you. I always wonder how much of intuition is our learned experience that is stored in us somewhere that comes up to visit and how much of it is something else. There's a great debate about that and I sort of, I leave that debate to the side and I just go, well, I'll use it when it's there and when it's not, okay. But I always find that it's easier to follow my intuition when I'm not thinking about myself. So back to that thing I said before, when you're wanting to walk up and have a conversation with somebody and your head's going, oh, can't do that. That's your head 
get the head out of the way. Be aware of when the brain is really useful because, oh, wow, it really is. But also be aware of when it's telling you stuff that's not helpful. And if you can start to practice doing that, then you will tap into your intuition a lot more. And it's it's a goldmine when you're in business to be able to tap into your intuition. And I think that a lot of people think that intuition is something really woo-woo. They're like, oh, what is that? Like, it's not measurable. Like, they just don't think it's real. But there's actually a really good book called The Gift of Fear by a guy called Gavin De Becker, who is a security specialist and just incredible. And there's this really good example in it about a dog And when a dog goes crazy, everyone will trust the dog and they'll think, oh, the dog can tell something's off. And so then they think something is wrong. Now, a dog is not as clever as a human. And what is actually happening is you are picking up on things and your subconscious mind is telling you that something is wrong, but you are not realizing it because you're not in tune with your intuition, but your dog is realizing it. So the dog doesn't realize that there is something wrong with the situation. The dog just realizes that you're feeling that there is something wrong and they're not reacting to the other person or the situation. They're actually reacting to you and you're not realizing it. And so the funny thing about intuition is that it's all based on the subconscious mind and your subconscious mind will pick up on these smallest little things that will give you an inkling of what is going on that your conscious mind is just not registering. It will pick up on the smallest things like a look or the way that someone moves their body or something that they notice that is out of place that your conscious mind just has not registered yet. Yeah, and in this country, you can go and work with horses and you can go and be led through exercises because horses are the same. They pick up on exactly how you're feeling. So if you are not aware of how you're feeling, that horse is going to let you know. And I think we've become so adept at living in a modern day society and changing ourselves and and putting certain things into the background because we've just got to get on with it that sometimes we forget to lift that veil and go oh actually I need some rest oh actually I'm a bit my nervous system is a bit wired I've been on the go for too many days in a row or I've had too many coffees or you know whatever the or, or, or is if you can start to realize what's happening in your own body you can start to tap into what's going on in, in an interaction in a conversation in a dialogue you can feel it a lot more. I work that way with people a lot because I can tell if somebody's stressed. I was going to say it's not rocket science, but maybe I take it for granted that I can do that. I can tell by the language they use, the way they're sitting, the way they're breathing, all the little cues that come in. I don't consciously run through a, a checklist. It's just if I sit there and relax and pay attention to them, I can tell. So I've just put my focus on the person I'm working with. You have to make sure that you have looked after yourself first because you cannot turn up stressed out, tired and wired and expect to do that. All you're going to do is put your stressed out, wired and tired onto the other person. And so this was a great opportunity for me to ask Jenny, what are the habits and the routines that she has in her own life that keeps her in tip top shape? For me, it's really important. I remember years ago, I was working with a woman and... I had a real thing about networking. In my mind, it meant something completely different because it was something I had witnessed a very long time ago and that memory had stayed with me about what I thought it was. And then I found I was working with a client and I recommended to her that she needed to go networking because she needed to feel more comfortable having conversations. And I thought the best way for her to do that was to go networking and just practice the conversations without any expectation. And I very quickly got myself off to networking events because I did not feel right about recommending to a client that they go and do something that I wasn't prepared to do myself. I will give clients homework 
which sounds really back to school. If they have got a lot going on and we're re- we are making massive change in their business, then they need to look after themselves because you need the energy to come from somewhere. So I'll be like, right, okay, make sure you get some sleep. Once an hour, get up and walk around. If you're working in your home office, go outside and walk around the block. Do something to move your body, get everything flowing, because without flow in your body, you won't have flow in your creativity. You'll start to become really stagnant. So I do that myself. I've practiced yoga for years. I love it. It's the gift that keeps on giving for me. It's not necessarily for everyone. So I try and work with my clients to find the thing that's going to work for them in their given circumstances. Some people, it's they need to go and play squash. They need something super active and high intensity to burn the intensity that they have to lower it so that they can actually sit there and focus and concentrate. I eat really well. I do my best to sleep well. You know, And it's not about being perfect at any of these things. It's about making sure you're aware of what it takes to keep you in a position where you can continue doing the things you love to do and not burn out. Because if you burn out, that's it. Your business will start to feel it because people showing up in your business will see you burnt out. They will feel you burnt out. The way you communicate changes. Your fuse is shorter. And by the time you realize it, quite often other people have been seeing it for a little while. So it's really important to take care of yourself, to check in with the language you use. Like, what are you telling yourself about yourself, about what it is you do? Where are you apologizing without actually knowing you're apologizing? That's a big one. For people who have been in business for a while and they've been through it and they've been a bit battered, there's an apology that comes sometimes. And it's like, don't apologize. That's where I find gold in people as well. It's like, when you've been in business for a while, and when I say a while, I'm, you know, I'm thinking of one of my clients who was in business for 10 years and it was a learning and development business. So she would go into corporates and provide training under the HR banner. And I worked with her for quite some time. And what we turned her business into was a culture change business that started at the strategic level and worked its way down. So it's looking at shifting the culture of an entire organization to be value-centric, to work for the strategic direction of the company, and to work for the employees. I just pulled stuff out of her. She has been doing this stuff for years at the wrong level, and we completely reformed what she did. And her business has grown. She's now got a bigger team than she had before, and she's moving more and more towards the things that she gets joy out of doing rather than the things that needed to be done in the business. So a lot of what Jenny is saying really, really resonates with me. And I'm sure it resonates with you too, because business is comprised of people. So if the people are not in shape, the business is not going to be in shape and the business is going to stagnate. And actually, Jenny said something really, really interesting about what happens when a business isn't growing. They die. If your business isn't in flow, if it's not continuing to pay attention, I sort of liken it to a conversation. If there isn't an ongoing conversation happening in the business with the people who work in the business, with you as the business owner and any partners you might have in the business, if you are not constantly talking about what your business is doing, then it's going to become irrelevant because the market now is changing so quickly. I have never seen it change this quickly. So here Jenny talks about what kind of direction she sees businesses moving forward in in the future. I see it being more about people, more about what's really important. 
what's being created in business and the companies that are now coming out are more about the human experience, about what we're here to do. I believe there is still the element of the person doing the role that needs to be given a little bit of trust, a little bit of autonomy, and the ability to go, hey, what about this? Have you thought of this? If somebody is just sitting there on that little treadmill going round and round and round and round and round, how inspired are they going to be to show up to work every day and point out things that might be not working so well or point out the opportunities they see because actually creatively they're inspired? That doesn't happen when you squash people, when you take away their opportunity to actually offer something more. It's just like the human body. If you don't move it in a variety of different ways, it seizes up. The same thing happens in positions in in companies. I mean, there are some exceptions, but on the whole, hire people and work with people that you trust to show up. And when something goes wrong, look at why it's going wrong. Don't just put a process slap over the top of it to fix the symptom. Find out what the cause is and change it. Your business will flourish as a result. You will have a lot more flow in your company. The communication will be better. And it's all around if you do not value the people working for you, and it doesn't mean you have one of your values has to be people. It means one of your values has to align with the expression of what people are doing. If they don't align, you're going to struggle. And so here I wanted to touch on what Jenny was saying before about how she got most of her clients by word of mouth and conversations. And so I was wondering, if you're starting out with maybe a service providing business or a coaching business, how do you A, get your first client or first few clients to get the ball rolling? And then B, how do you turn that into leverage for yourself so you can get referrals and can create some kind of a system that will keep the momentum going and get you more and more clients in the long run? So I think if your business is an online business, there's a lot more opportunity because you have the ability to express yourself to a wider audience and you're not limited by geography. So find out what social media platform or platforms work best for your business and just start having the conversation. Don't think about it in terms of trying to get clients. Just start expressing what your business is, what it is you're doing and do it through values. And when I say that, I don't mean go and tell everybody what your values are. I mean, just be aware of what your values are when you're having the conversation so you come across authentically. In terms of getting clients, go and talk to people. Go and find a business that you can help for free if you need to. If you're developing a business that is one-to-many, as in your product out to a wide audience, like it's a course-led type situation, then I think that's a slightly different proposition. I think start the conversation on a social media platform, generate interest and offer people a discount and then engage them in what it is they're interested in, what it is, you know, there's something that they have become attracted to about what you're offering. Ask them what their key questions are solve their questions and their language for them on that course. So basically it's about getting into the mind of your customer or your client and to get really, really in tune to what they are thinking and about their perspective. What are their biggest challenges? What do they want to know and what do they need to know? Because one really, really big mistake that a lot of people make, especially when creating a course, is creating something that no one wants. Start with what you can do, but then go and find out, and this is again where it boils down to language, What you can do and the way you express it might be very different from what somebody needs. They might need what it is you are offering, but you need to language it in a way that they can receive it. Otherwise, you don't have an audience. You could be the best in the world at what it is you do, but if they cannot relate to you, you're not going to have a client base. And so then I asked if Jenny has any advice for actually getting into the client's mind and communicating with them in a language that they will understand. 
again, just go and talk to people. If they say, this is my problem, ask them. You say, okay, because you've got a general area. So you go and have a conversation about the general area and ask them what their biggest challenges are. And I would avoid using the word problem if you can, unless it's important that you use the word problem, because sometimes it is. And the reason I say avoid it is because when you ask somebody what their challenges are, you will get a lot more out of them because they don't sink to that place of feeling under the weight of a problem. So you will get a lot more useful information from them when you phrase it that way. You're opening up a dialogue and they won't go on a rant necessarily. You know, sometimes there are actual problems. There are problems in the world. In our businesses, we have challenges because we can fix them or we can deviate. You know, there's something that we can do that is not as difficult as solving some of the bigger problems in the world. So it's just being mindful of, of how we're associating a problem with what problems really are, because then that creates an additional weight for us. Whereas if we've got a challenge or, or a niggle or something that's just not quite working, ask those questions and start with the easy ones. You solve some easy things for people that are easy for them to do, they will be more inclined to come back to you for the harder things because you've built up some trust. If it's somebody who's got some really big problems, and I say big problems because they will be feeling like they're under the weight of the world and you know how to sort it out, that's probably a one-to-one situation. Somebody coming into a course, they're not going to give you the weight of the world of their issues and their challenges. They're, they're going to come in with an objective because something in the highlight of what you've said you deliver interests them. So find out what that is and find out how it displays for them Because then when you are talking about what it is they can do, you can provide examples that are close enough to what they're doing that it's relatable, that they can see how it's possible. In business, it's all about showing people the art of the possible. Even if you know how to do it a million different ways, you need to show them the way that relates to them. It's true. And I think an important thing is to just start giving someone an easy step that is very actionable, something that is easy to take from the outset, and then increase the difficulty level as is necessary. But when someone is able to take that task and easily complete it, they feel way better about themselves, they feel way more motivated, and they're much more likely to come back to you. Because when they're like, oh, I could do that, and then you make it a little harder and a little harder, and then it goes into an upward spiral, and they're building that muscle, and they're building the resistance level, and they're like, oh, I could do that, what else can I do? Oh, I did that, okay, what else can I do? Set people up for success. Don't make it harder than it has to be. That is a trap that we can sometimes fall into, is making things difficult because we need to feel like we're adding real value. The value is in the simplicity. If you make things hard for people, then their association with you is difficulty. And so the final question that I asked Jenny, which is the question that I ask everyone on this podcast, is what are the three key truth bombs that you would drop on a young entrepreneur who is starting out. What are the three main pieces of advice that you would give? Go and talk to people as much as you can and find out if your idea has wings. Definitely do that. Test it in as many environments as you can because you don't want to be deluded about the benefit your idea can provide and you'll get a lot of really valuable feedback when you go and have conversations. Look at what it's going to take you to set up your business. Bearing in mind you'll probably have a bit of a vision. Start small start with the first thing first. Don't try and do it all. Look at what you need to complement you to make sure that what you do succeeds. We're all really good at things we do, but sometimes in business, there are things required of us that we're not particularly good at. So go and find the support you need for the things that are not your wheelhouse 
or be aware of what they are if you can't get it immediately, plan it in for as soon as possible. Because the more you do things that are not your wheelhouse, the more you drain your battery so much faster. And I'm going to add a fourth one in there. Look after yourself because you are your business when you're starting out. Wow, there is a lot to unpack there, a lot to take away from that. As a final note, if you want to find Jenny on the interwebs, people can find me at jennyleeming.com and the Business Whisperer on social media. Well, that's it for today's episode of the Young Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Thank you so much, Jenny, for taking the time to have this chat with us. It was an absolute pleasure for me. I know it was a pleasure for you too. And I learned so much and I'm always inspired every time I chat with you. You always have incredibly deep insight and you're just such an intuitive person. You really know how to read people like a book and ask the right questions. If you'd like to find Jenny on the internet, I will put the links down in the description. And if you got anything at all out of this episode, I would highly encourage you to share it with a friend because word of mouth is everything. Post it on your social media. If you put it on your Instagram story and tag me at YasminaRTE, I will repost you. And if you have any guests in particular that you want on the podcast or anything that you would like me to talk about, let me know. Uh, hit me up on Instagram at YasminaRTE and we can have a chat there. And because this is a podcast that is starting out, what would really, really help us bump up in the iTunes rankings would be if you could leave a five-star rating, that would be awesome. With a review, that would be even better and I would really, really appreciate that. And in the meantime, I hope you have an amazing day and I will see you in the next episode.